48K News. It's one o'clock on Benche. The headlines. Thousands of government hospital staff go on strike and call to fully close the border. Mainland financial markets plunge after reopening following the extended Lunar New Year break. And police investigating an Islamist terrorist incident in London confirmed that the attacker had only been released from jail several days ago. Crowds of medical staff have been queuing up outside public hospitals to sign up for a strike. They want to force the government to completely close the mainland border to stop the spread of the Wuhan virus. The hospital authority says more than 60 private doctors have offered to work at public hospitals to help out during the strike. Timmy Sung reports. The newly formed Hospital Authority Employees Alliance estimates that about 3,000 non-emergency staff are joining today with more taking part if the government keeps ignoring them. This nurse from the Buddhist hospital said they are sorry for disrupting services, but it's a last resort to protect patients and the public. This is not our responsibility. It is because we take on this strike to push the government. We want the government to take up their responsibility to close the border so as to stop the virus source. In fact, we do put the patients in the ward and maybe we reduce the care to them, but this is not our choice. We only have to do this in this way. So uh, to urge our government to take up their responsibility. This woman, Kay Lam, was with her father who needs cancer treatment at Queen Elizabeth Hospital. She says they both support the strike action. For sure, there will be longer queue if they strike, but we need to support them if this is their only choice. If the government don't shut down the gate from China, the government put them in the danger and then we need to support them. Another patient who needs to have his blood samples drawn says even though he understood why the staff had to go on strike, he thinks they shouldn't threaten the government. He says the administration has already done work to lower the number of inbound travellers. Meanwhile, the Hospital Authority's Director for Cluster Services, Deacon Young, says the manpower shortfall will still be serious despite help from private doctors. He urged staff not to go on strike and stay united to fight against the epidemic. Health authorities on the mainland have announced that 56 more people have died in Hubei province, taking the total number of fatalities from the coronavirus outbreak to over 360. It means more people on the mainland have died of the new virus than the 2003 SARS epidemic. Hong Kong Center for Health Protection announced the 15th local case yesterday. One woman is in critical condition. Pro-establishment legislators have joined their opposition colleagues in calling for a complete closure. Former Liberal Party leader Selena Chow is one of several such politicians who signed an open letter on Saturday. The chief executive Carrie Lam says closing the border goes against World Health Organization guidelines and would be discriminatory. Ms. Chow disagrees. We are not just three another country. We are right next to mainland and we are uh, in fact more vulnerable and uh, particularly with the opening borders i mean if you look at it um even on saturday two days ago we're talking about 50,000 hong kong people coming across from all the border points from the mainland and um 10,000 mainlanders coming over um, and how can the government persuade the Hong Kong people that they are able to control or to track whoever would carry the virus into Hong Kong among the, the, the 60,000 people? I, I don't think they even convinced themselves. 
Miss Chow also says thousands of Hong Kong people are going to the mainland to work and returning every day, increasing the chances of further spreading the Wuhan virus here. As I understand it, some of these people who return are actually people working in Shenzhen. They come back on a daily basis and they go off. You, you, if you look at it, the exit figures, um, uh, you know, on, on Saturday, again, you know, looking at Saturday, you're talking about 38,000 Hong Kong people going back into the mainland. Of that, quite a number are actually workers who travel on a daily basis. I mean, what will these people do to Hong Kong? Surely this is a crisis situation, and I think that the chief executive should deal with it as a crisis that, you know, she needs to take very determined action to prevent the virus from coming into Hong Kong. Mainland financial markets have reopened following the extended Lunar New Year break, with prices dropping sharply in response to the coronavirus outbreak. China's central bank has said it will inject more than 170 billion U.S. dollars into the markets to ease economic concerns. More details from the BBC's Mariko Oi. Just imagine how much of a fall it would have been without that stimulus measures being announced over the weekend. The massive amount of money being pumped in to the money markets. The total injection was 1.2 trillion yuan. That's a whopping 174 billion dollars. Basically, what the Chinese authorities are trying to do is to avoid a credit crunch to ensure there's enough money for businesses to borrow and for banks to lend each other because any signs of a credit crunch would spook investors. A military training base in Auckland is being turned into a quarantine center for New Zealanders returning from Wuhan. There are no confirmed cases of the virus in New Zealand so far. The BBC's Phil Mercer reports. About 70 New Zealanders will be flown out of Wuhan in the next few days on a government-chartered flight. They face compulsory quarantine for two weeks at a Navy base. It's been described as more of a holiday resort than a hospital. In an attempt to stop the spread of the coronavirus, all foreign citizens who've travelled from or through China won't be allowed into New Zealand for a fortnight. Other international passengers are facing stricter checks at airports. The MTR Corporation says it has made a report to police after objects, including a bicycle, traffic cones and plastic fences, were spotted on the tracks of its East Rail line in the early hours. It said the driver of a southbound train with no passengers on board saw the debris when approaching Taiwan Station near Hong Nokyun shortly before 4 a.m. He then removed the objects. The MTR appealed to people not to put objects along its tracks as it would seriously endanger train safety. Police investigating an Islamist terrorist incident in South London have confirmed that the attacker had only been released from jail several days ago. The man, 20-year-old Sudesh Aman, had been sentenced in 2018 for terrorism-related offences. He was shot dead by police after stabbing two people. The BBC's Tom Simmons reports. Sudesh Aman was jailed for three years and four months in December 2018 after pleading guilty to having and distributing terrorist material. He had already served some time waiting for his trial and having completed half of his sentence, he was released last month. Aman was under police surveillance and within minutes of him starting his attack, it appears to have been armed covert police officers who shot him dead. 
It's two months since the murders at Fishmongers Hall in central London, also committed by a recently released prisoner with a terrorism conviction. The contenders to be the Democratic Party's nominee for the U.S. presidential election have spent a final day campaigning in the state of Iowa ahead of Monday night's caucuses. The vote marks the start of the state-by-state nominating process to pick the party's candidate. Opinion polls show a close race among the 12 candidates, with Senator Bernie Sanders and former Vice President Joe Biden slightly ahead of their rivals. The winner will face Donald Trump in November's election. A court in Iran has sentenced eight people to a total of 72 years in prison for writing an open letter calling on the Supreme Leader Ayatollah Ali Khamenei to step down. The BBC's Kazra Naji reports. The sentences by a court in the city of Mashhad in northeast Iran are harsh even by Iranian standards. The court had found the eight who are all well-known dissidents guilty of disparaging the state and forming an illegal group. They still face further charges, including disturbing public peace and insulting Ayatollah Ali Khamenei. They were among a group of 14 dissidents who wrote an open letter last June saying there was no point in engaging with the government as the despotic rule of the leader had made it impossible to negotiate any reform. Mexican police are investigating a second death related to a world-famous monarch butterfly sanctuary. The body of Raul Hernandez, a tour guide at the UN World Heritage Site, was found two days after the burial of a well-known environmentalist, Homero Gomez. The BBC's Candice Piet reports. Both Raul Hernandez and Homero Gomez had worked for years to protect the forests visited each year by millions of monarch butterflies from the US and Canada overwintering in Mexico's warmer climate. They'd spoken out many times against illegal logging and the expansion of avocado plantations into the butterfly sanctuary. Their deaths may be related to police and state corruption or to the operations of Michoacan's drug cartels. Sam Mendes has won Best Film and Best Director at the British Academy of Film and Television Awards for his World War I film, 1917. The BBC's Chichi Izundu has the details. 1917. A childhood story told by his grandfather, Sir Sam Mendes' World War I epic, 1917, won seven awards, including Best Film, Best Director and Best Cinematography. But the night was also dominated by diversity, or the lack of it, which garnered criticism from the Duke of Cambridge, who said it can't be right in this day and age, that there's still talk about the need to do more to make the industry and awards more diverse. Joaquin Phoenix also called out systemic racism in accepting his Best Actor Award for Joker after all 20 acting categories only featured white people. The Czech-born songwriter and rock guitarist Ivan Kral has died of cancer at the age of 71. Kral made his name in the United States in the 1970s as co-writer, guitarist and bassist of the Patti Smith Group. Working on her first four albums, he also worked with Blondie and Iggy Pop and was renowned for the 1976 film The Blank Generation, which documents the birth of New York punk. And now time for sports. Here's Joanne Wong. 
We start with American football, and the Kansas City Chiefs have won their first Super Bowl in half a century in a thrilling contest at Miami's Hard Rock Stadium. Quarterback Patrick Mahomes shrugged off an error-strewn start to lead the Chiefs back from a 10-point deficit to steal a 31-20 victory against the San Francisco 49ers. The Super Bowl win was Kansas City's first NFL championship since the triumph over the Minnesota Vikings in 1970. In the English Premier League, Tottenham beat Manchester City 2-0 in London, with Dutch international Steven Bergwijn scoring a goal on debut. Here's the BBC's John Mary. Manchester City have a right to wonder how this happened to them. Although they were perhaps fortunate, Raheem Sterling wasn't sent off for an early challenge on Deli Alley. But City dominated Jose Mourinho's team in the first hour. Aguero shot against a post, missed a sharp close chance, won a penalty, but it was saved by Loris. And the match changed with the sending off of City left-back Zinchenko just past the hour. Within two minutes, Spurs debutant Steven Bergwijn thrillingly opened the scoring with a chest down and volley. Soon after, Son doubled the Spurs' lead with a slightly deflected shot and from that a bewildered Manchester City couldn't come back. In the early game Arsenal drew 0-0 at Burnley. In rugby union France endured a nail-biting Six Nations opener to defeat England 24-17 in Paris. Charles Olivon ran in two tries as a young home side marked their first game under new coach Fabien Galtier with a win. France led 17-0 at the break and held off an England fight back that included two tries from Johnny May. It was a proud but nerve-wracking time for France's new defensive coach, Sean Edwards. I was just sitting there looking at the clock saying, please get to 80 <laughs> as quickly as possible because, you know, I think if England had scored with, you know, eight minutes to go, you know, definitely they had every chance to win the game. But we managed to hold out and uh, obviously on to the next game now. England coach Eddie Jones was asked if his side had been suffering from a World Cup hangover. Oh, look, we don't know, but certainly we were slow out of the blocks. We were feeling a bit sorry for ourselves, uh, out of kilter um, and let the situation get to us. But at half time, we took responsibility for the situation and I thought the response for the boys was absolutely magnificent. In tennis, Serbia's Novak Djokovic has won the Australian Open for an eighth time. He came from two sets to one down to beat Austria's Dominic Thiem in a gripping final at Melbourne Park. It's Djokovic's 17th Grand Slam title, but addressing the crowd after, he put his latest triumph into perspective. There were some devastating things that started uh, 2020 with a uh, huge bushfires here in Australia, conflicts some parts of the world, people dying every day, you know, obviously uh, one person that, uh, you know, I considered uh, close in my life and was a mentor to me, Kobe Bryant, passed away as well with, uh, with his daughter. And uh, I would just like to say that this is a reminder to all of us that uh, we should stick together more than ever. And that's your look at sport. And to end the news, the top stories once again. Thousands of government hospital staff go on strike and call to fully close the border. Mainland financial markets plunge after reopening following the extended Lunar New Year break. And police investigating an Islamist terrorist incident in London confirmed that the attacker had only been released from jail several days ago. And that's the news from RTHK. This thing called love Probably something you've been dreaming of It's the one thing that can make it right 
Just like your coffee in the morning light It's the sweetest thing you've ever seen Orange tree among the evergreens When it looks like you can count me out I'll bounce right back with the sparkle in my eyes You always get me high I get lonesome sometimes The sun and the sand and you and I It's perfect sometimes You wanna feel your feet in the sand Wiggle your toes We can be on the sun-drenched island For out in the sea A perfect place with a sweet melody Just look around the only sound Coconut be falling from a tree to the ground I see the sun setting in your eyes I steal a kiss beneath the starry skies You always get me high I watch the waves roll by The sun and the sand and you and I It's a perfect sometime
Good afternoon and welcome to the 123 show. I'm Sadia and I'm sitting in for Noreen today and tomorrow, so you are stuck with me. My thanks to Phil for the morning brew. And you know what? On the program today, I thought we'd sort of chill out a little bit because um first track I played was from Justin James, Perfect Sometimes, which I hope got you into a bit of a mellow mood. And um you know that in programs that I do, sometimes I always have a look at the national days that are being commemorated and celebrated in the US. And today 